Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Book of Psalms 131. Beginning at verse 1. The psalm simply states, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even weaned, even as a weaned child. Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. This morning I want to share with us along the lines of achieving emotional stability. Achieving emotional stability. If you think about it, emotional instability can be traced all the way back to the fall of man. As a matter of fact, when Adam's spirit was separated from the living God, his emotions began to run wild. Shame and fear gripped his soul. Worry and anxiety bombarded his mind and absolutely drove him away from the presence of the living God. Remember, he hid himself. Why did he hide himself? Because he was ashamed, he was afraid, he was embarrassed. His emotions just ran wild. So if a person wants to find the cause of emotional instability, I believe we can start right there. You see, if the cause of emotional instability is spiritual, the spirit of man being separated from God, then the remedy or the first step toward emotional stability Likewise, must be spiritual and not just mental. Sometimes people try to help others by saying, well, you need to start thinking like this. In a sense, that may be true. That may be a part of the recovery plan. But listen carefully. You can't start there. You see, it's much deeper than a mental issue. Mental, emotional instability is a spiritual issue. Man was not built by God or designed by God to handle spiritual problems with emotional powers. And that's why many are having so much difficulty in their emotions. Because they're trying to handle spiritual problems with emotional powers. And emotional powers will never be able to help us succeed over spiritual problems. Obviously... A person who tries to deal with this mentally is going to fall short of his or her goal and end up having more problems because they're not equipped in their mind to handle such pressures of life. Our equipping is in the spirit, not in the mind. In this particular psalm, David 
speaks of finding freedom from the bondage of delusive frets and fears by being weaned from his emotions or being weaned in his emotions. Just as a child is weaned from its mother. Any child, of course, that is a young child is satisfied because of feeding from its mother. But there's going to come a day that that child is going to have to be weaned and that weaning process is not too favorable. As a matter of fact, they may even let you know that they're not appreciative of what you're trying to do. But eventually, if you keep at it, the day will come that the child will be weaned and it will realize that it's capable of standing on its own. Well, David was likening his deliverance from delusive frets and worries unto a child being weaned from its mother. And he is stating here that he has learned how to be weaned and he has learned how to be satisfied in God and not allow his emotions to run wild and control his life. Now, how did David arrive at this place where he was content and he was not discontent? Where he was satisfied and not dissatisfied. Where he was in control and not out of control with regard to his emotions and his emotional stability. How did he arrive at that place? Well, if we can discover that, then we can help people recover from emotional instability. And the first thought we see here is found in verse 3. He said, let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. His first step toward emotional stability is found right here. And it's the same step that every person should take and must take in order to achieve emotional stability. And that step is this. I must put my hope and trust in God. And if you understand, uh, brother, I'm concerned about my mental well-being. You need to put your hope and trust in God. Yeah, but I'm just concerned about the problems that I'm facing in everyday life. You need to learn to put your hope and trust in God. You weren't equipped or built to handle life's problems. Remember, Adam's spirit was separated from God, and once it was, his emotions ran wild. If his spirit wasn't separated from God, his emotions wouldn't have run wild. And now, in a fallen state, man is not built by God or designed by God to handle these kinds of problems. They are spiritual and not mental. And unless we learn how to put our trust in God, we are not going to achieve emotional stability. David learned to put his trust in God. So in other words, in order to achieve emotional stability, the individual must wean his, be weaned in his soul from anxiety, worry, fretting and fear, discontentment and all those things by finding his satisfaction in his God. And if he doesn't have that relationship with God, then he is still going to be left on his own. His trust is going to be in something or someone else. See, if our trust is not in God, then our trust has to be in our emotions or in our friends or in other things. Our trust has to be in something or someone. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. You see, trust is of the heart. 
Our understanding is talking about our emotions, our feelings. And these are genuine feelings, beloved. Our emotions are genuine and they are real. But we are not to put our trust in them because we can't find peace of mind that we are looking for in our emotions. Our emotions vacillate from day to day. You can rise up in the morning time and be happy. And then the next morning you rise up and you're sad and you don't even know why. They vacillate from day to day. Have you ever found yourself more or less down in the dumps a little bit and not even know why you're down in the dumps? You just wake up and it seems like this cloud is all around you. God hasn't changed. The world hasn't changed. The devil hasn't changed. But there you are under this oppressive cloud, not knowing what to do. And you begin to fret or have anxiety and worry and fear and all these different things run rampant throughout your life. And you wonder, how can I find peace of mind? Living in a world of stress. We live in a fast-paced world in society today. Everybody's in a hurry. Going fast to get somewhere and wait. <laughs> Have you ever rushed to the hospital emergency room? Take your time. Take your time. <laughs> what about cut this thumb off of mine? I rushed to get there so I can wait for four hours. Can you imagine that? But isn't that true? Rush to wait. And that's how we live our lives. And all of a sudden, you're, you have all this anxiety, all these emotions running in you. And all that, for what? We're always in a hurry to get somewhere or to do something. But we find out that our being in a hurry didn't do us any good whatsoever. Just made us nervous, anxious, fretful, and all that. And to be frank about it, when we're long gone, it's still going to be here. You might as well say amen or oh my. Isn't that true? So many pressing things that we have to get done. Well, we're off on the other side in glory. You know, unless Jesus comes and all that. And there's a renovation of, the new, of this earth. There's a new heaven and a new earth. It's still going to be here. Human beings. Beloved, the first step toward emotional stability is to put your trust in God. I really believe that people are on the brink of nervous breaks, breakdowns because there's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun and many don't even know about it. In other words, because of that separation from God in spirit from the very beginning with Adam, there's an emptiness on the inside of man which spills over into his emotional realm. And as a result... He is trying to find fulfillment and satisfaction in some way or something. Doesn't even know what he's looking for. And nothing satisfies. You can be at peace today, but you know what? You can wake up tomorrow and you don't know what your world's going to be like. Isn't that true? The only way we can have stability, beloved, is if we put our trust in God because God never changes. Our circumstances change from day to day. You cannot find stability in circumstances. Would to God one day we could wake up and say, my circumstances will always be perfect. That will not happen in this life. 
And so we have to realize that from day to day, things are going to change. Our feelings are going to change. Our emotions are going to change. Circumstances are going to change. Maybe everything is fine today, but tomorrow there's bad news. And so what are we going to do about the bad news? I know. Worry. Because worry is going to add a lot to your life, right? Wrong. Worry is not going to add one cubit to your stature. Anxiety is not going to make me five foot eight. <laughs> Did you know that? Maybe standing on a chair might, but that's about it. <laughs> it's just not going to do it. So Jesus says, why are you taking thought for your life? Why are you so concerned, anxious and fretful and worried about your life? You can't add one cubit to your stature through worry or anxiety, but yet we have champion warriors out there, don't we? Somehow they've been taught that if you worry about it, it might change the circumstance. But it doesn't. As a matter of fact, let's just get it straight. Worry does not add to your life. It takes away from your life. Anxiety doesn't add anything. It takes away from our lives. So emotional stability is not found in circumstances. Emotional stability is found in God. And when a person learns to trust Him with his heart, with his life, with his destiny, that person is taking positive steps toward emotional stability. See, for one to be stable in his emotions, he has got to know God because he is the rock that never changes. And when I run into him, I am safe in my emotions. Can you see that? Emotional instability is the result of being detached or separated or estranged from the life of God. But when the life is hooked up, attached back to God, stability comes. And that's exactly how David found it. He found emotional stability by attaching himself to God and being weaned from his emotions. When his emotions began to rise up and act up, he would say, oh... But my trust is in God. When he was being chased and his life was being threatened and he had every reason to worry and become discouraged, he said, I encourage myself in the Lord. My trust is in the Lord. Well, doesn't that make things different? When you rise up one day and everything is fine, you can say, I rejoice in God, oh my soul. And then the next day you rise up in the morning and it seems like you've had 20 phone calls. None of them had anything good to say. You can still say, Jesus is still on the throne. God has not changed. And my trust is in Him. Worry cannot add one cubit to my stature. Anxiety is not going to do anything for me. But my God never changes. He is always the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He is the strength of my life. And He is the rock of my salvation. He brings stability to my life. Thank God I can be weaned from my emotions. Thank God I can learn not to trust in my emotional feelings. I can learn to trust in my God. And that's what David did. He said, I'm going to take him and allow him to be the strength of my life. See, that's what strength is all about. It's tapping into the very life of God that produces inner or spiritual strength that spills over into my emotions and makes me strong. And when my emotions rebel against what I know God said, all I've got to do is just acknowledge Him and He keeps me safe. And put down my emotions and put down the thoughts 
put down the temptation to worry and be frustrated and all that and just say that he is the strength of my life. I want you to hold your place there. We're going to refer back to it. But there's another uh, psalm here that is very important to bring out at this point, And it's found in Psalm 37, if you would, please. And beginning at verse 1, I want you to see something about putting your trust in God and not fretting or becoming worried or anxious and don't allow emotional instability to rule your life. In Psalm 37, verse 1, the very first word is fret not thyself. Don't allow yourself to be worrisome, anxious, or overcome in your emotions because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. You know, a lot of people get nervous because there are people out there in the world that are prospering who are evil, evildoers. And sometimes we can even hear believers say, I don't understand it. Look at all these people out there. They're not even serving God, but it seems like they're having wonderful lives. Well, God addressed that right here in this psalm. Don't allow yourself to be full of worry or anxiety. Don't allow yourself to be unstable in your emotions because of other people that are out there seemingly prospering in their evil ways. Verse 2. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord. What did David say he did? His hope was in God. He put his trust in the Lord. His hope was in God. He wasn't looking to other men. He is talking about a stand that we need to take as believers, beloved, with regard to how we view life. Now listen carefully. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Now, I want you to notice that expression, verily thou shalt be fed. In my margin it says, in truth and stableness thou shalt be fed. In truth and stableness, thou shalt be fed. If we trust the Lord, then we'll feed upon truth and he'll, he'll feed us with stability in our hearts and minds. We're not to allow ourselves to be opened up to the devil and his ways for our lives by looking to other people or at other people and wondering why they are prospering in their lives. That is an open door to demonic activity and emotional instability. We are to put our trust in God so that He will feed us with what is necessary to become stable. Strengthened in our spirit and stable in our minds or our souls. Now notice the next verse. Now it talks about that verse we always pull out of context. Delight thyself also in the Lord. What is another step towards emotional stability? I am so busy delighting myself in the Lord in whom I trust that I'm not looking at the prosperity of evildoers. It doesn't matter to me what's going on in their lives. All I need to know about the prosperous evildoers is that they're going to be cut down with the lawnmower. Can you say amen? Mowed down. Isn't that what the Bible says? This life is more than just what we see here on this earth. But you'll see that you're going to have fun on this earth too. Let's read on. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. 
Sounds like, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all the things you want in life will be added unto you. Put your delight in the Lord and stop looking at other people. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. What's He going to bring to pass? First of all, the prosperity of your soul. He's going to bring peace of mind, stability to your life, spiritually and emotionally, and it will eventually spill over into the material world in which you live. So don't get caught up in looking at the prosperity of other people because they're going to be cut off anyhow. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Now notice this. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way. In other words, he keeps telling us, stop looking at other people. Stop looking at their prosperity. Stop looking at anything that is in their lives. If you want emotional stability, stop looking to other people. Rest in the Lord. Wait upon Him. And fret not yourself because of those that prosper in His way. Because the man of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger. What's he talking about here? There were those that were angry even with God. They were upset with him. I'm serving you. And look at those people out there. They're not serving you. And it seems like they're better off than I am. Boy, has the devil got you deceived. They got one foot in hell and they're better off than you. What are you looking at? You got two feet in glory. They got one foot in hell because they got a nicer car or house than you. They've got more than you. Are you kidding me? You've got the name of Jesus. You've got the glories of heaven. You've got an inheritance among the saints in light. They have nothing. I said they have nothing. Especially nothing over on you. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off. He says it once again. But those that wait upon the Lord... They shall suffer in earth. No, they that wait upon the Lord shall inherit. You think those big shots out there that are having this high time in their evil ways are going to have this earth forever? I tell you, we are going to inherit the earth. Did you hear that? You are going to inherit the earth. That's what God's word says right here. They that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. And that's talking about those whose lives are harmonized with his. Those who are so caught up in him that they love him and he has become the strength of their lives. And they look to him day by day. They're not concerned about anything out there. Circumstances don't, affa don't faze them and don't affect them. Other situations don't affect them. The prosperity of evildoers does not affect them. Nothing affects them because they know their God. And they love their God. And they trust their God. Their strength comes from their God. And you know what? He says, they shall inherit the earth. Verse 10. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider 
his place, and it shall not be. You can diligently look at his place right now, but you know what? It shall not be. It will not be. Next verse. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of anxiety. Doesn't say that, does it? In the abundance of what? In the abundance of what? In the abundance of what? Peace seems like it's the opposite of turmoil, anxiety, emotional instability, fretting, worry, and all this stuff. Notice he gives us a good formula right here for emotional stability. Stop looking at circumstances. Stop looking at people. Start looking to your God. And when you look to your God and you love Him and you have that relationship with Him spiritually on the inside of you that is intact, what's going to happen is you're going to inherit the earth anyhow and you're going to rest in the abundance of peace. Jesus said He came to give us a peace that the world could not give. Now going back to Psalm 131 and you'll see something else here. Another way of achieving emotional stability once again involves the spirit of the individual. We are to maintain humble spirits. That's exactly what David did. David was a man after God's own heart. He put his trust in him. Well, if he was a man after God's own heart, then we need to look at some things that characterize his life so that we too can be people after God's own heart. Now, right here it says in Psalm 131 in verse 1, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty, Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. That means that David was an individual who maintained a humble spirit. Notice again, he had emotional stability because of a decision of his heart to maintain a humble spiritual attitude. Now, let's define that. Number one, it involves the attitude towards self. I want you to turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 2. This is talking about an attitude towards self. You know, one reason why many have emotional instability is because their attitude toward themselves is wrong. Their view of their own lives is wrong. You get hooked up with God and God will give you a new self-image. You get hooked up with God and God will impart to your spirit a strength that will spill over in your emotions. And you'll begin to see yourself more clearly in Him, with His ability and His power at your disposal. You'll begin to see yourself as you really are, someone valuable, someone precious, just as you are. God loves you and God cares about you and your life has value, meaning and purpose. Just as you are. You don't need what someone else has. Just as you are, you have it all. Can you see the lie of the devil to make you not believe that? Just as you are. Isn't that wonderful to know? Amen. Oh, someday I'm going to be this. No, someday you are now. If your trust is in God, you are now Amen. where God wants you to be. Amen. And you know what? It's only when that relationship is suffering that a person's emotions again run wild. Did you know that? You ever find yourself slipping away from prayer and worship and studying the Bible on a daily basis and you start finding out that you weaken in your emotions? You ever stop reading the love chapter and find out how easy it is to walk out of love? Come on. What's happening? 
You're not having the strength of God manifested in your emotions. That's why. And now your emotions are taking over. See, the cure is a strong spiritual life. And that will spill over into our emotional life. Now listen carefully here. In the book of Philippians, chapter 2. And beloved, I'm going to give you something I think that should bless your socks off here. Sometimes we read Bible verses and we just think, well, that's Philippians chapter 2, verse whatever. And, you know, it just says that. And so that's a verse of Scripture that I'm going to look at and maybe just apply to my life. But sometimes we fail to realize who the writer is writing to. Because, you know, we think that these people are, oh, they've made it. Oh, these are, this is the Bible. He's writing to people in this church way back in Bible days. And so, you know, the letter was written to perfect people. No, this is not true. As a matter of fact, the church at Philippi, you know how it began? Think about the members of this church. Okay? All right, number one. The first convert was Lydia, seller of purple, a merchant woman, a businesswoman. And she got in when Paul went to Philippi and he preached. And he shared with her the gospel. Second member was a delivered soothsayer. A fortune teller. Right? Cast the devil out of her and she hooked up with them. Then... The, prison, the, the keeper of the prison. He got saved. He and his house. And he got in the church. And then probably some of the prisoners that heard Paul and Silas singing. Those were the pillars of the church at Philippi. A businesswoman, a soothsayer, a prison keeper, and prisoners. Amen. And so he's writing to these people. See, they had to be taught too. They had to learn how to be strong spiritually and overcome their emotions also. And so Paul writes and he gives them some instruction. Philippians chapter 2 verse 1. If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind... Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon the form of a, ser him up the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in, the fa in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So here we see that our attitude toward ourselves should be that we don't overestimate ourselves and also we don't undervalue ourselves. Jesus was who He was. He was not upset with the Father because He was not born in the house of the King. Was He? And He didn't look down and condescend toward other people because they were beneath Him. His mindset was fixed. I am who I am. And I am not going to underestimate myself or overestimate myself. I accept myself for who I am. Beloved, if the Son of God accepted Himself for who He is, we too can accept ourselves for who we are. So he was a carpenter's son. You think that bothered him? You think he was ashamed of his father's trade? You think he was ashamed of his own living? No. But he didn't make himself to be better than anybody else either. As far as he was concerned, he could have made himself equal with God. But he wasn't here 
to exalt himself. He was here for a purpose. He was here for a reason. And that reason was to fulfill the will of God for his life. Everybody say, my purpose for being is to fulfill the will of God for my life. Just the way I am. He doesn't expect you to be someone that you're not. And he doesn't place demands upon your life that are unfair. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever your status is in life, you have a plan that God has for your life that has to be fulfilled. And so do I. And so the way to maintain emotional stability is to recognize that I am valuable to God just as I am. I am important just as I am. And if there's somebody else that holds a position in this life that is above mine, I don't even consider it. I don't even think about it. And there's somebody who seemingly is not as well off as I am in this life. I don't condescend and look down upon that person and think that that person's life is without value. No, I've got to maintain a right attitude toward myself, who I am in life. And then secondly, it's my attitude toward others. I don't undervalue anybody. And I also don't overvalue anybody. That's balance. You know, sometimes we see people look at other people and they treat them almost as if they are gods. Oh, I see this happen all the time, even with Brother Hagen. You think I should shake his hand? Well, no, because yours might fall off if you do. <laughs> he's just a man. That's blasphemy. No, he's just a man. What do you think is going to happen if you shake his hand? He talked to me. Are you serious? He talked to you? You know what? That gives place to emotional instability. He talked to you because he's a man. It doesn't matter who the person is. It doesn't matter what position they hold in life. If you met the president of the United States of America, I guarantee you he put on his trousers just like I did this morning. What about you? And his wife put her dress on like you did this morning. Isn't that true? We're not supposed to overvalue or undervalue human beings. And when we get off and start doing this, we open up the door to emotional instability. You're somebody special just the way you are. Do not allow the devil to talk you out of that. Don't allow the devil to make you think that you're of no value or importance in this life. You're a very special person. And thirdly, and this is something that David said also, the third thing to understand is that we have to properly channel our desire to reach for high things. Every single one of us in this life has a desire to better ourselves and to reach for high things. That is a desire born of God on the inside of every single one of us. I don't know about you, but I want to strive for better things, don't you? In this life, I want to strive for better things. Absolutely. But that desire has got to be properly channeled. And you know where we find that proper, proper channeling of that desire? It's in the same book. But before we look at it, I want you to look at the next verse in verse 9 of Philippians 2. Notice the word wherefore in verse 9. Wherefore. Because Jesus understood who he was. And because Jesus understood his position in life. 
Because Jesus made himself of no reputation. Because Jesus did not overestimate or underestimate himself. Because Jesus did not put people down or exalt other people. But because Jesus was willing to live the life he was to live in this earth. Wherefore, God also had highly exalted him. You might say, but he was the son of God who wouldn't want his life. Back up a verse. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Would you want that? Would you want that? We'll, we'll talk about what Jesus suffered here pretty soon, but, but you wouldn't want that. No one would want to suffer the way Jesus suffered. But he was willing to fulfill that plan that God had for his life. And as a result of that, God also highly exalted him. There is a desire for us to reach for high things in life. But beloved, it has to be properly channeled. And in Philippians chapter 3, you're going to see it. And I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Bible. Because it's clear. In Philippians chapter 3, every single one of us should have a desire to reach for high things. But look at how it's supposed to be channeled. I'm going to read from verse 8. You know, the Apostle Paul was talking about how zealous he was in his Jewish faith and all that, and his position of honor that he held, and how people esteemed him, his colleagues esteemed him highly, and all that, and how he had studied and pursued things that, that surpassed even you know, his peers and their knowledge and the law and all these different things. Paul was a proud man because of who he was and because of what he did. And he was really just, just dedicated to reaching for these high places and these high things. But you know what? He found out that he was wrong. And look at what he said now. He, he re-evaluated everything and properly channeled this desire that he had for high things. Listen carefully. Yea, furthermore, verse 8, I count everything as loss. Everything I've pursued in life up to this point, I count as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, the supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and clearly. For his sake, I have lost everything and consider it all to be mere rubbish, refuse, dregs in order that I may win or gain Christ, the anointed one, and that I may actually be found and known as in him, not having any self-achieved righteousness that can be called my own based on my obedience to the law's demands or ritualistic uprightness and supposed right standing with God thus acquired, but possessing that genuine righteousness which comes through faith in Christ, the anointed one, the truly right standing with God, which which comes from God by saving faith, for my determined purpose is... Now, look, we're talking about obtaining emotional stability. How? By making certain that our spiritual life is intact. Every child of God, listen carefully, there are no, no one is excluded from this. Every child of God should have this same determined purpose. Because when you get lost in this determined purpose, beloved you're going to find peace of mind. You're going to find emotional stability. You're going to find spiritual strength that you need 
to overcome anxiety, worry, fretting, and fear. See, we're not talking about our thoughts yet. Listen to this. My determined purpose is that I may know Him. You want to reach for something high? That's the highest goal you can reach for. But I'm a businessman. So was Lydia, a businesswoman. But her desire was to know Him. That doesn't mean you have to lose your business. We're talking about the motivation of your heart. If you're just out there wanting, let's say, to serve riches and mammon, you can't serve two masters. Can you say amen? You may have a business, but you've got to want to know God first. You want to know Jesus foremost in your life. That I may know Him. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him. Perceiving and recognizing, understanding the wonders of His person more strongly and more clearly. And that I may in some, the same way, come to know the power outflowing from His resurrection which it exerts over believers. And that I may so share His sufferings as to continually transform in spirit and His likeness even to His death. In the hope that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead even while I'm in this body. Now, I haven't attained this yet, Paul said, but I'm striving for it. Every child of God should be busy working on his spiritual attitudes, on his spiritual life, giving place to the things of the Spirit. And if he would be involved in that, there wouldn't be time for worry, fretting, and anxiety, and all these other things to dominate his mind. But when we've got to get better than the Joneses, and we've got to do this and do that and show this and show that, there's a lacking there in our spiritual condition, which gives place to emotional instability. That person needs to know that he needs to know God. That person needs to know that his spirit has got to be in fellowship with God. His motives and desires of the heart have got to be right in order to achieve emotional stability. We just can't take somebody who is unstable emotionally and just say, well, just start thinking the right things. That's dealing with the symptoms. And you'll get a lot of people that will tell you, well, I don't want that. Well, I'm sorry. It is the result of that. Emotional stability is the result of putting God first. In our lives, in spirit. Now I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 4. Now when it comes to reaching for high things, this is how we properly channel it. And beloved, there are certain things that we are never going to be able to be aware of or know of in this life. And you know what? That rule is, that, that word is found in Deuteronomy 29, 29. When it comes to secret things that belong to God, the secret things belong to God. Don't be trying to reach out for things that, that you have no business striving. Remember David said, I'm not reaching out for things that are higher than Myself. Remember he said that? Things that are too high for me. See, I maintain that God is God. And there are certain things I shouldn't even meddle with. I don't meddle in those things. He maintained that kind of, of understanding in his life. And as a result, he was stable. If a person thinks that he's got to know everything, then, beloved, that person is going to fall short. There's a fine line between being a genius and having a nervous breakdown. And it's drawn right there. Let God be God. Don't try to fill your mind with things your heart should be filled with. Okay, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. And this is the final and the closing. Listen to what, it, what we're talking about here. If you want to achieve emotional stability, learn the four prerequisites for freedom from anxiety. Now learn these four prerequisites for freedom from anxiety. Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord once in a while. Alright, number one is rejoice constantly. Listen carefully. Rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. What does rejoicing have to do with my emotional stability? First of all, joy is a spiritual strength, not an emotional strength. 
And when a person rejoices in the Lord. Remember, David said, my trust is in the Lord. Listen carefully, everybody. You want emotional stability? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. I have nothing to be happy about. Rejoice in the Lord. But you understand, my flowers didn't come up. Rejoice in the Lord. But my, my son's having a problem. Rejoice in the Lord. But my washing machine's on the, uh, just blank. I mean, it's just, just, it's just going down. Rejoice in the Lord. But my car, I'll tell you about that car. Let me talk to you about cars. You don't understand. Rejoice in the Lord. Well, when I wake up in the morning, if I've got something to rejoice about, I'll rejoice, brother. But if I don't, I won't. You're still not getting it, are you? Rejoice in who? Who? Rejoice in the Lord. Thank God I'm saved. Who cares about the car? Thank God I'm washed in the blood. I rejoice on this day because I have heaven and not hell. I will not spend my eternity where the worm dieth not and the fire is never quenched. Thank God I rejoice. Hallelujah! We'll get to our kids in a minute. <laughs> Glory! How rejoice today! But brother, if I had something to rejoice about, rejoice in the Lord! But hey, did you read the newspaper yesterday? Do you see all the murders, all the evil, all these terrible things? How can anybody be happy in this society? Hey, beloved, it's sad to say, but you know, we've got to preach this a thousand times over again because people base their emotional stability on circumstances. Rejoice in the Lord. Are you saved? You should be shouting the praise of God. I rejoice. I'm washed in the blood and my eternity is secure in Him. I will not depart and be in hell forever and ever. I will live with Him in glory forever and ever. Thank God. Rejoice in the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is your spiritual strength and fortified place. And once again, we're talking about now what? Your spiritual communion with God. Can you see that? which produces strength here inwardly that spills over to us emotionally. Okay, number two, verse five. I'll tell you what, I have warred with this verse for ages. I don't know about you. Right after he says rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, a constant state of rejoicing, um, which produces constant spiritual strength. He goes on to say, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. What does one have to do with the other? I've always thought about that. What are you talking about, Paul? What, why are you seemingly changing your thought here? Well, he's not. Now, if you do a study like I did, this is what it means. It talks about moderation means maintaining a charitable attitude towards men's faults. And also be merciful in judgment towards their failings. Now, notice this. He is talking about you maintain rejoicing in your life. And in dealing with people and the mundane things of life, maintain an attitude of love and mercy. 
Because people have faults and people will fail. People will definitely fall short of your expectations of them. Isn't that true? So don't allow yourself to become all messed up in your thinking and your emotions because of other people. Just love them because they're people and be merciful in your judging of them. He's given you some steps for emotional stability. Listen carefully. And here's why. The last part of the verse says, because the Lord is at hand. And a better rendering of that would be this. The day is at hand when all things shall perish with the evil one. The Lord and His reward is at hand. Did you hear that? See, that goes all, all the way back to about fretting about evildoers. The Lord is coming with His reward in His hand. And He's going to reward you for what? For your attitude toward other men. Your attitude toward Him in rejoicing and your attitude toward other people. Don't be quick to judge other people and don't be quick to be envious or covetous or anything like that. Treat other people with love and mercy. Because anyone who is evil, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. They're going to be judged with the wicked one. But for you, He says your reward is in His hand and He's coming soon. Did you get that? Thirdly, now we get to be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And thirdly, we can state it like this. Number one is rejoice in the Lord always. Number two is, is to demonstrate moderation. Number three is to be conscious of the presence of God at all times. Listen carefully. You can rejoice in God. You can overlook the faults of men. And number three, if anything happens that brings anxiety, worry, fear, fretting into your life, what are we supposed to do? Be consciously aware that our God is there. I don't have to deal with this. Yeah, but my kids are going through. I can turn to God for my kids. Oh, but what about the car? You better turn to God for your car. They won't work right any other way. Think about it. Be conscious of the presence of God. And whatever comes to bring anxiety, worry, frustration, or fear into your life, or fretting, or any of those things, the Bible says, in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, the language that is used here is this. He is saying, when you have temptations to be full of anxiety, worry, fear, fretting, and all those things, and people are involved in it, He said, be aware that your God is near. Cast all your care upon Him because He cares for you. And that will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because He what? He trusts in thee. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Forget about what people are doing to you. Forget about judging them. Forget about hating them. Forget about selfishness. Forget about covetousness and all those different things. And you know what? He says, just take it to your God. In prayer, with supplication, and with thanksgiving. And the peace of God will garrison about your heart and mind like an army of soldiers. Did you hear that? You want to talk about emotional stability? 
God is going to lose some of His warring angels to stand guard around your heart and stand guard around your mind when you acknowledge Him. That's how David did it. They were trying to take his life. They were trying to kill him. But he said, my trust is in you, O God. I encourage myself in you, O God. And so God garrisoned about. You see, his spirit and his soul. How? With angels, warring angels that would defend him from worry, fretting, anxiety, emotional instability. Now, let's go to the last part of this. Finally, we go to verse 8. Finally, brethren. In other words, if you want to learn how to maintain this freedom in your emotions, this is how you do it. And the fourth step is to commit yourself to right thinking or wholesome thinking. See, it doesn't begin with wholesome thinking. It begins with the big issue. Where are you at in God? Okay, now listen carefully. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. This is talking about maintenance. Wholesome thinking, right thinking will enable us then to maintain. So you can't start with the maintenance program without first hitting the heart of the matter. You've got to hit the heart of the matter first. We want to help people that are emotionally unstable by just telling them, you've got to start thinking right. You've got to just start thinking. You start thinking right and your life's going to change. No, 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 no. We better just get right on down to it and just say, are you serving God or the devil? Come on. Beloved, we're living in a generation right now that we just got to tell it like it is. Who are you serving? What are your desires? What are your motives of heart? What are you looking for in life? You love God? Are you a true worshiper of God? You serve, No wonder you're unstable. No wonder your emotions are unstable. No wonder you're having mental problems. I said this before, I'll say it again, the devil's crazy. And if you listen to him, he'll drive you crazy. Isn't that true? He's a lunatic. And people that listen to him... They'll be crazy because he'll tell you all kinds of things. You say, but I'm a believer. You believers can listen to him too. I said, believers can listen to him too. Know how he already said, look at your watch this morning? <laughs> He's crazy. And if you listen to him, he'll drive you crazy. God wants your heart life. Say with me, God wants my heart life. God wants my spirit. He wants my worship. He wants my motivations. He wants my desires. He wants every part of my being. Are you willing to give it to Him? Then you'll have emotional stability. Let's all stand together before the Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart 
that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.